1: Welcome back to The Scorecard with Barry
2: Cronin and Mike Esposito, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on Chicago's Sports Radio 670 The Score and Odyssey Station.
3: <laughs>
4: See, Barry, you, you wanted Japanese rock music. Right, May I my present man. to you Bump Up Chicken, Japanese rockers. There you are, my friend. There so it's not it.
2: It. it's not K-pop, it's
4: J-pop? Is that what we're saying? I believe that would be correct. Uh, I'm still waiting for Adam to find live at Budokan. I'm sure he has it somewhere <laughs> without, without even knowing it, but we'll wait for that uh, in our next segment. Uh, this segment is presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine, and uh, we are uh, very excited right now to jump on out to the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Steve Hulka joined us. Steve is a a longtime PGA Tour caddy, entrepreneur, founder of Hulka's Overland Players Express. Good morning, Steve.
1: Hey, good morning, you two Chicago icons. How are (laughs)
2: you? Speaking of Chicago (laughs) icons and legends, to anybody, a lot of people know Steve Hulka uh, in the Chicago golf community. Uh, He's a legend, not only in his own mind, but actually in our minds so steve it's great to talk to you and uh i know you're out in uh, arizona this week you're not in japan uh which is probably a good thing uh but uh steve uh you've been caddying on the tour for many years and but uh you started at chicago golf club where you were a caddy correct
1: well that actually that was I'm going to pull over right here. Cause I'm on my way to, uh, my Saturday golf league here at, at dawn in Phoenix, but, uh, <laughs> Chicago golf club actually, Barry was my, uh, was my 10 years off. And that was 1980 when I uh, spent a decade at home, but actually here's the crazy thing that I was thinking about this morning, getting ready to, to play. Uh, It's going to be 50 years ago this Labor Day that I caddied in my first professional golf event down in little Robinson, Illinois, where we make the Heath candy bar company. It's near Champaign where I went to school. And I was a sophomore at Illinois and I had a buddy of mine who said, Hey, Hulk, let's go to, let's go to Robinson this week and caddy. The the pros are coming. And I'm like, what? I said, you're kidding me. And there was this $100,000 purse of a golf tournament that was being contested in the, that little town, just about, oh, I don't know, two hours from Champaign uh, down there near Terre Haute on uh, in Effingham. up uh, I was just, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. I just said yes to Joe Gorak. I said, yeah, let's go down there. I'll caddy. I caddied at Hinsdale golf club in uh, my high school years. Uh, Dick Hart was the pro back then. People would remember Dick Hart won the Azalea open. So he was actually a, PGA Tour winner, and uh, I actually cut my teeth caddying for my dad when I was really little, and he played in a lot of Chicago area golf tournaments. So, Robinson's where I got my start.
2: Yeah, and did the did your guy win? Did you get ten percent?
1: Oh my gosh! No, that's funny. <laughs> uh, first prize was eighteen thousand dollars for the winner. I think uh, I made I think I made sixty dollars for the week. It was twenty a day and three and percent. I think he missed the cut and gave me a little bonus. That was, $15. was more than Just enough money to out. get back to campaign yeah. and start my sophomore year. So, <laughs> yeah, no, how, how, oh, how, uh, as
2: I could, Mike, how, Steve, how did you get on the regular tour then? How did you, when did that start?
1: Well, the following year, uh, I actually tried to walk on the Illinois golf team uh, both years, my freshman and sophomore year and, and didn't make it. So I was kind of disgruntled with college life. I was, you know, I was living the frat life and uh, skipping classes and just being a, a total jerk when it came to school. I just wanted to play golf, and uh, you know, growing up with a father who was a golf coach and a and a basketball coach, and I was always around the game and, and loved the game. Although uh, I will say, baseball was my first love. Way to go, White Sox last night! Yes, and uh, I had to sneak that in there. But uh, <laughs> no, I just I just really wanted to uh, just. Be on the golf course. And that following fall, uh, I was I was ready to go back to Robinson and, and caddy again. I got my feet wet the year before. That was the year I actually thought, hey, I might chase this around the country. I met some friends, uh, friends-to-be friends that came to Robinson that year in 72. Uh, in and I I got talked into going to the Quad Cities the following week. And then there was a week off. And I drove home. And I talked to mom and dad and I said, You know, I think I'm gonna try this. And that's when my dad said. Well, you know I did. And I go, What? He goes, Yeah, I caddied on tour. I was uh, I was on the GI Bill at Northwestern and my friend Cliff Kong and I took off for a semester, and when we had money we played golf, and when we didn't, we found the tour event to caddy in. And I'm like, Dad, you never told me this. He <laughs> said, Yeah. He said I I did it for a semester and then went back to yeah. school. I said, well, I'm not going back to school. I'm going to Napa, California. And that's when I started my career.
4: Well, and and Steve, what strikes me as I was reading uh, some about uh, some of your background and whatever is just just what a different world. I mean, you think of the the PGA oh. Tour now and the the caddy life, uh, at, you know, from what we know of it based on what they do today and, and how they live. And actually, you know, some of the earnings versus a lot of the stuff that you're talking about now. I mean, it literally was. You know, here's your money you might get through the week, and then you drive to wherever the next location is, right? Kind of kind of nomadic almost.
1: Oh, it, it was nomadic. I, exactly, Mike. I uh, I learned real fast that, uh, you know, $60, 80 $100 a week could go pretty far back in the early 70s. I mean, gas was $0.27 cents a gallon, and uh, we stayed four to a uh, kitchenette. You know, we, we bunked in uh and I met a lot of these young, uh, white, long-haired hippie types that uh, were starting to come out on tour. And we were actually the, you know, we were the first white boys that uh, that cut our teeth traveling from town to town. And the, the guys who brought us along were the black caddies from Augusta and the Mid-South. I mean, Herman Mitchell, uh, you go back far enough and uh, you, you remember your golf, uh, Herman was Lee Trevino's caddy, Dell Taylor worked for Dave Stockton. These were the guys that uh, welcomed us because, because the, the profession was so new and the tour was starting to relax a little bit of their policies about traveling year round. I mean, a lot of these guys put uh, caddied in the fall and they caddied in the winter. And then there were no, there were no tournaments for them to caddy in, in the late sixties and going back further because they used the club caddies right uh, on the PGA tour. But, the early right. 70s was when uh, we could start doing this for year-round. It, it still wasn't the majors. Uh, obviously, it was too expensive to go to the British. But, you know, we made we made it fun, and we made it a living at, at 20 a day and 3% of, of nothing. It was so, pretty crazy.
2: So, Steve, who were some of the guys that people might recognize that you caddied for over the years?
1: Well, I had, uh, I had a, a – a lot of bags come my way early on, but in 1973, here I was back in Robinson. They had switched the tournament to July, and I was caddying. Uh, so a buddy of mine could go home and uh, spend some time with his family in that summer of '73. And I was caddying for Steve Melnick, and oh, yeah. uh, Steve. And we were at Robinson, and Steve made the cut. It was Friday afternoon. I'll never forget this. And he went in for lunch. He said, "I'll see you for after the." back out and he goes, "Hey, Hulk, David Graham's looking for a, a caddy. Are you interested?" And I said, "Well, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to caddy for David. You know, he had he'd won the World Cup with Bruce Devlin a couple of years prior. He had just come over from Australia, and you know, I knew who David Graham was. He had already won the Cleveland Open, and uh, we got together. He
2: eventually won the eventually won the U.S. Open. He's in the Golf Hall of Fame."
1: He is a hall of famer. I call him my hall of famer. Yes, sir. I mean, uh, you total up all the years that I caddied for David and, uh, we were together 14 plus years, but that, that first stint of the seventies lasted from 73 to 79. And I got to w- watch him, uh, in 1976 rise to second in the world in earnings behind Jack Nicklaus, uh, Mark McCormick, all of his, uh, all of his clients, he kept records of everybody on tour, what they made around the world. David finished second in the world earnings that year, and of course, I made sixteen thousand dollars. I thought I was a rich man. <laughs> <laughs> well, but really, uh, yeah, no, David, David was my man back in the seventies. Well,
4: and uh, you, you mentioned the White Sox, Steve. So I'm gonna, I, I will, I have to ask you because I did see you. You had a uh, a connection too with with Hawk Harrelson, not on the baseball side, but because of his love and his skill in golf, right?
1: Exactly. He came, when I was at Chicago Golf in the early 80s, I worked there four seasons for Don Stickney. And and Hawk used to come out and practice. He wasn't a member at Chicago Golf, but he loved the game so much. Where I first laid eyes on Hawk was right before going to work For David, we were in Sutton, Massachusetts at the old Pleasant Valley Classic, and that tournament always gave Hawk. He had just retired from baseball. or eh, He might have been in his last few years. We'd have to check that. But, no, I think he was just retired. He got a sponsor's exemption to play in the tournament, and we played a practice round with him. I was working for Bob Wynn. This was a week or two before I started with David. And I got to meet Hawk, and I'm like, man. (laughs) <laughs> this guy not only was he a great red sox but you know here i am playing with a baseball legend and or, you know being out on the golf course with him and how much he loved golf well fast forward to the early 80s and Hawk was uh, was with the with my beloved white sox and uh, he would come out regularly and stick would let him hit balls on our range and uh, every once in a while he'd play with the members but i'll never forget a time Hawk was coming back from a west coast trip and we were playing on the south side and uh oh gosh oh we were at beverly and it was a it was a monday pro-am to benefit a hospital in uh of course eddie farmer's old neighborhood and uh hawk flew a red eye and came straight to the golf course and was low pro that day shot 67 that's how good hawk was
2: he's, he's awesome you know what he's he's terrific so uh let me ask you this, uh, Steve. What's the question? When people find out you're a PGA Tour caddy, what's the fir- what are the most common
1: questions you're asked? Right away, I think, Barry, of, uh, who's the nicest guy out there? Who's the meanest guy? Yeah, right, right. You know, what's Tiger really like? Something like that? Yeah, what's Tiger really like uh, walking <laughs> down the fairway? Actually, I uh, got paired with Tiger at, at the Western one year. And, I mean, between the ropes, Tiger was great. You know, he always had to finish his round and and stand in front of you guys and and give his press conference. And he wanted to get the heck out of there, you know. And you know, right. he used to get a knock for—I'll uh, never forget—he carried two pairs of shoes out of the locker room at Tory Pine, so he didn't have to sign autographs. And I'm like, come on, Tiger. I mean, <laughs> I know if you get stopped, you're going to be there for an hour. But you know, Phil will do it. Jack would do it. Arnie would do it. But he never got that part of the. the the give and take of being the the celebrity he is, but, uh, he sure elevated the tour. You know, we, we won't, uh, we won't have any arguments about how he's taken the tour to to new heights, especially in the the late nineties and er, into the early two thousands. And, uh, I was fortunate to be coming off the senior tour and getting back onto the regular tour right around the time Tiger was, uh, elevating to the number one in the world.
4: Talking with Steve Hulka, Chicago native, uh, longtime PGA Tour caddy on the scorecard here on The Score. Uh, and, and Steve, we talked about caddy life from, from when you started in the 70s versus, you know, as, as the, the purses have improved and everything. And certainly Tiger, a huge part of that. But, but you've also built a business off of uh, an idea you had uh, to, to try to help uh, a problem that I know a lot of people have, right? Uh, uh, transporting all their gear. Uh, and that somehow became Hulka's Overland Player Express, which HOPE, the, the acronym for that.
1: Well, I always say, you know, like Jake and Elwood said in the Blues Brothers, we're on a mission from God. I think I got this vision from the Lord above. It was 2001, right after 9-11, and I was, I was flying home for a, a funeral in my family for my aunt. And I was going through the Baltimore airport. I'll never forget this. I had a backpack. I was only going to be gone a couple of days. And uh, I didn't want to carry any luggage. I didn't need my clubs. I left my van on the road with a buddy. I'm standing in a line for over an hour with security, and I see two army personnel standing by the wall with their with their M16s, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, is this is this is what has happened to our world after after 9/11? How are the players going to get through? these airports week in, week out, with their clubs, their suitcases, their wives, their kids, everything. Strollers. I got to thinking if I took it and bought a big trailer, I could I could actually ease their burden and I'll just drive through the night and and make it hands free for them to just walk to the terminal through the terminal. So I started bouncing it off of guys that I was very close to on the tour. And at the time I was working for a guy named Paul Stankowski mm-hmm. and Paul said, Hulka, that's such a good idea. Don't tell the tour. They're going to take <laughs> it away from you. Don't <laughs> and I'm like, Paul, I'm, I'm not going to come out on the tour and work on their turf without permission. So I called Henry Hughes a year later. It was the, it was the, actually the winner of O2, this is how long we took to formulate this idea. I didn't act on it right away. I don't know why, but, uh, you know, I mean, going out and spending sixty, eighty thousand dollars 80000 right off the bat yeah, uh, to buy a truck and trailer wasn't really, uh, you know, I hadn't figured that out yet. But <laughs> I called Henry and I said, Henry, I got this idea to start hauling luggage in a trailer and, and kind of ease the players' burdens of, uh, of the air travel. He said, "That's a great idea, Steve. Why don't you, uh, why don't you give me your business plan? Do you have one?" And he had told me that there was a, Did another. Did you say caddy then, "What's
2: I, a business plan, Steve? What's a business plan?" Was that your yeah? What is basically? <laughs> I'm like, holy
1: cow! I mean, what? <laughs> I, I had there was another caddy that he asked said had the, the similar idea, and he asked him for a business plan. He hadn't seen it yet. He said, "Do you have one?" And I said, Yes, sir, Mr. Hughes, I do. He said, Well, send it to me. I stayed up that night and I typed eight pages of what I thought a business plan should look like and I FedExed it the next day. I wanted to get this this opportunity. And he called me as soon as he got it, and he goes, Steve, I love your plan. Cover all your bases. You are good to go.
2: So for the two
1: thousand Well, and what's what's fortunate for me is I had a great friend in Westmont where I used I used to I used to work uh, that little course in Westmont, a nine-holer, uh, back in after my Chicago golf years. I went to Black Horse over there on Cass and Sixty-third, right behind Papa Pacero's Pizza, and uh, Jimmy Kingsfield, the the owner, gave me the range to teach. And he's he for five bucks an hour, I could work behind his counter. And there was a guy named Andy Wurst that came every weekend and played with the with the little men's club that we had. And Andy owned a gas station in Hinsdale. So there was my winter job pumping gas for Andy. And eventually he bought a, a car repair service out on the South side of Darien, right off of I-55, turned it into a trailer business. Talk about a God thing. Wow. Andy was selling trailers when I needed a trailer. <laughs> and so <laughs> how's this? So I, I go, uh, I go to Andy, I said, Andy, they're going to let me haul luggage on the tour. And he goes, well, we got to get you a toy trailer. What kind of, what are you going to haul it with? I said, well, I guess I got to go buy a Chevy. You know, I mean, I'm not a Ford guy. He said, good call. He goes, Chevy's had the best transmissions. He said, wow. we'll get you set up. And there I went in 2003. In fact, that summer when fluff won the U S open at Olympia fields with Jim Fierick was my first major that I brought the oh. trailer to, which oh. was pretty cool.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Interesting.
1: So here we are 19 years later and four trucks and five trailers, and my son is running it, and he is the third-generation Hulk to be caddying on the PGA Tour for CT Pan. I'm pretty proud of him.
2: Exactly. And so is he over in uh, Japan then with CT?
1: No, CT uh, saved him the, the headache. They went to the British a couple of weeks ago together, right. and uh, CT's wife, Michelle, is caddying since they're so close okay. to home. and, and Sure. Cr- and. Well, CT's got to come back in a couple of weeks and play Greensboro, and he'll be about 120th by then on the FedEx list. So he and Ben have got some work to do, as DJ Jackson would say.
4: Yes, uh, yes, they do. Well, hey, hey, Steve, you know what? It's been great, and I know I know for a fact we could talk for the rest of the hour with uh, with great stories from your past on the tour, but we are out of time right now. Listen, we really I appreciate know. you jumping on. And, uh, best of luck, uh, on your round today. Uh, get out there and beat that Arizona heat.
1: Oh yeah. Well, yeah, here we are. The, the, the surface of the sun. Oh no, excuse me. The Valley of the sun. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to do a whole show with you guys one day. I know you, I know you'd love to hear a few more stories and, and get caught up on what's going on on the tour nowadays. And you do know, I think Barry knows this, Mike, I am retired, but, uh, when Dylan Meyer gets a spot or Dave, uh, Brian Davis comes back from his back surgery and we get on that senior tour in a couple of years, I'll be back out there.
2: You're back. You're darn right. You're darn right. Well, thanks so much, Steve. So great. To, so great to talk to you. Go Sox, and uh, hit him straight, my man.
1: All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks
4: a lot, Steve. Thanks, Steve. And Steve Holka, uh, as advertised. Barry, uh, <laughs> great stories. Uh, we yeah. could talk to him all hour. We could, Man, if we invited him to do a a, a a full show with us, that would be that would be something. But
2: well, uh, the I was, pizza I, the
4: pizza joint at
2: 63rd and whatever. <laughs> I mean, I mean the nope. and he knows everybody in town knows everybody. It's just, I mean, just to listen to him, it, it's just so funny. Um, it's just so great to talk to him. He's a great dude. And his son, as he said, his son is has uh, kind of taken up uh, the family business in a big way. Yeah. He's, he's caddying for C.T. Pan, who's a really good player. Uh, and uh, and he's also doing the uh, the, uh, the equipment transport stuff. So uh, yep. it's really pretty amazing and uh, really good to
4: hear about from Steve. He's a great guy. Great story from humble beginnings of uh, driving from town to town to Caddy. uh, There you have it. A life spent on the PGA Tour and now with a a business uh, tied to the Tour as well. We are late for a break. We need to take one right now. Uh, When we come back, we will uh, uh, check in on the Olympics uh, and all the golf going on there. And at 7.40, we will talk to Vince Pellegrino, the uh, Vice President of Tournaments for the Western Golf Association Uh, The Western Amateur finishing off today. We'll talk to Vince more about that at 740. It's Barry Cronin. It's Mike Esposito. It's the scorecard here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The score.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
0: Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic, and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. There
1: you go.
4: So we have cheap nothing trick live screams at Japanese music like Cheap Trick. Somehow, someway, Cheap Trick from Rockford to Japan, they'll you know, surrender. Mike, we, I
2: don't know if you know, we live in a global world. So, yes, uh, we do. I think that uh, Cheap Trick does apply, so it's good.
4: It does, yes. And uh, we are glad. Thank you, Adam Studzinski, for indulging me with my Cheap Trick and uh, Japan connection as we talk about uh, golf and the Olympics uh, and uh, everything associated with that. And then also, as I mentioned before the break, we'll talk to Vince Pellegrino, uh, Vice President of Tournaments of the Western Golf Association, uh, in our final segment. You have the scorecard presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine. Barry Cronin, Mike Esposito here with you. And uh, that sure was an entertaining uh, segment there with uh, Steve Hulka, Barry. I, I, have, to, I have to ask, how, how did you meet Steve? And, and uh, you, I'm guessing you've known him for quite a while.
2: He's a legend in Chicago, and I I don't know how I met him. I don't remember. You know, it's one of those things where you've known somebody for so long, and uh, I do, of course, he was always out at the John Deere Classic, um, and I'll never forget one day, I can't remember what year it was. It's been a while, and he was packing these. I've seen this trailer that he uses to pack these clubs, Mm-hmm. um and uh and i remember seeing that trailer years ago and think and i asked him about it, what's going what is this and he told me well after 9-11 the guys had a, such a hard time getting through the airports uh that this is one way they could just get the dump the clubs with steve and uh, he would meet them at the next tournament and then they wouldn't have to check their clubs uh with the airlines, etc., and certainly safer for the clubs because anybody who's ever traveled um, mm-hmm. on the airlines with your uh, golf bag, even if you have a good golf bag that you travel with, um, bad things can happen. <laughs> you know, drivers, driver heads can be snapped, and uh, especially if you're a tour pro. Uh, well, either way, uh, you don't want to have to buy a new driver. Anybody and the tour pros, they certainly don't want to have to get another driver that they, that they have the same feel with with the driver that they're playing. So um, I think it's just safer to, uh, to put it in Steve's little trailer. And, um, yeah, so anyway, he's, uh, he's quite a character, quite a guy, just a total Chicago guy, and he uh, lives down in the Phoenix area now and uh, uh, is loving life. Uh, he caddied a couple of weeks ago for uh, Dylan Meyer, the former Illini who played mm-hmm. at the Barbasol, uh, tournament in uh, in kentucky this it was the uh, tournament that was opposite the british open so it didn't get a lot of uh visibility in our in our in anybody's world but at least it was a tournament for the tour and for guys to play so uh yeah he came out of uh, semi-retirement to get but he'll be back you, you can just tell you know the golf is yep. in his blood so uh he's a good dude
4: yeah, no, and it's and it's a great story. Uh, a lot of fun. A uh, guy who realized uh, after two years uh, that college wasn't necessarily his thing, yeah. <laughs> and and literally yeah. followed the tour around and made it made a career out of it. And and as he said now, well, he says he's retired, but you know, as right. you say, <laughs> I, I think that's that'll last as long as uh, you know the next opportunity, and then he'll won't be retired.
2: Right, <laughs> and, and, and and you can see you can see Mike. I mean, he talked about making sixty bucks a week. Well, the players. The players in the early 70s made made very little money. If you didn't win the tournament or finish in the top five, you didn't really make hardly any money. Maybe 500 bucks if you finished tenth. You know, I mean, there was really the purses on the tour before the tour before Dean Beeman, right? Who was the became the commissioner of the PGA Tour. He brought in corporate sponsorship. Um, That was his genius, and um, and that's when he began to began to build up the uh, the purses on the PGA Tour. Um, so, and now, of course, there's there's a lot of money on the tour, thanks to Tiger Woods uh, bringing yep. in millions of dollars. I mean, the purses are now, I mean, my gosh, they're ten million dollar purses for the majors, uh, sometimes even more. um in these these playoff events like the BMW championship, which we'll talk about in a minute with Vince Pellegrino, yep. um, are are eight and a half nine million dollar purses for seventy guys in the field. And there's no cut. So that's a lot of money for just kind of right. being there. Um, and uh, and if you win, obviously, it's a lot more money.
4: Yep. No, and and that's why it really is. Uh, it's, it's a different world uh, from what uh, Steve started in. And you've got guys, uh, you know, making routinely making, you know, high six figures uh, into the seven figures, depending on how good you do. You look at career earnings of a guy like Phil or a guy like Tiger, and it's like, holy cow, nice right. work playing yeah, a yeah. great game right and,
2: and, and it doesn't even uh, you know count their uh, their endorsement money or whatever but right. the thing about i think the point is with regard to caddies the whole landscape for caddies has changed too because for example um just take the western uh, golf association the evan scholars the top caddies in the evan scholar program used to caddy at the western open and that changed in the early 90s um it, at Augusta National, you had all the club caddies with caddy for you know, Jack Nicklaus and Tom Watson and all these people who were playing in the tournament, and now that doesn't happen anymore. Everybody comes out with their own caddy. Um, <clears throat> sometimes uh, just a friend from col- a college teammate might come out mm-hmm. and caddy. Um, uh, Michael Greller, uh, who caddies for Jordan Spieth, Jordan met him when he was an amateur, um, playing out in, uh, uh, I think he was playing the U.S. Amateur somewhere, and he met Michael, and now Michael's his caddy, and so um, it's just uh, it's just a different world. And of course, the like the guy the guy who just quit, uh, Tim Tucker, who just quit mm-hmm. Bryson mm-hmm. DeChambeau. Yeah, I mean Tim Tucker made a, a, a you know in in a couple of years with Bryson made a couple of million bucks a year, you know for himself. And so he can afford to quit Bryson and go and do his thing, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever he wants to do. I don't know that he's going to caddy anymore. He certainly could if he wanted, but I heard he's going to go into a a private kind of golf business. Um, So... It's just uh, the money out there is so big that, uh, but look at Dustin Johnson, his brother's caddying for him. Patrick Reed, his brother-in-law's caddying for him, and his wife used to caddy for him before she had kids. So uh-huh. um, it's just become, uh, it, Lee Westwood, his girlfriend, now wife, caddying for him. So it's become like, hey, if I'm going to win, we might as well keep the money in the family uh, <laughs> rather than, rather than, rather than pick go. up a guy in the parking lot, literally. Uh, people would pick up caddies in the parking lot uh, before tour events back in the day. So that's it's, changed quite a bit.
4: It's uh, it's a great opportunity now, but it's, it's some great stories there uh, from Steve and and what it was like back in the day, literally driving from tourney to tourney. Uh, we do need to take a time out. We have Vince Pellegrino from the Western Golf Association coming up next the Western Amateur finishing it up at Glenview Club today we'll talk to Vince next here on the scorecard presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score And we are back here on the scorecard presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine uh, before we uh, get to Vince Pellegrino, Barry, I have to remind everyone, CDGA, cdga.org slash contest. We want you to register to win your CDGA starter pack. You'll get an imperial hat, a towel, and a zero-friction super tube with at balls, tees, and a universal fit glove. Everything you need for your season. We want you to win. Go to cdga.org slash contest. So... Uh, we definitely have that. We want to give you some stuff. Uh, we want to also talk about uh, the Western Amateur uh, at Glenview Club, uh, underway, getting underway in about 20 minutes from now. Two uh, two matches starting at eight. Uh, the second uh, match will tee off right after that, and then the final this afternoon around one ish uh, after lunch. So, yeah, uh, it'll be great uh, event, be a
2: nice, good event, and uh, and uh, we also have the. Uh, the Olympics going on, um, which is pretty exciting. Uh, it's really shaping up to be a great leaderboard at the Olympics. So, um, uh, Xander Schauffele leading the way, but and he has one stroke lead on Hideki Matsuyama, who uh, you got to think is really uh, is really going to try to uh, to win this gold medal, and uh, and uh, that would really be exciting for for him and for the entire country of Japan, even though. There are no spectators at the uh, at the golf course, which is uh, which is unfortunate. But uh, it's shaping up to be a really good tournament, some and some really top players um, in the top twenty, within a few strokes of the lead. So it's going to be an exciting final round uh, later today.
4: Yeah, no, and and Xander playing for the United States, of course. Hideki, I've I read his uh, his post round comments yesterday, and he said even though there aren't any fans, based on all the volunteers and the people there at the course, and obviously. You know, the Olympics in Tokyo, uh, you know, he said it doesn't feel like there's no fans. He, he basically he's feeling the love there from uh, from his home country. Uh, so he is a shot back of Xander starting uh, the final round today. Uh, Carlos Ortiz, Paul Casey tied at 12 under They're two shots back. And then there's a group uh, three shots back, including uh, Rory McIlroy. So that'll be uh, an interesting watch. As far as the Americans are concerned, we should point this out. Well, Shoffley is clearly. Uh, leading the field. Um, we uh, we also have Justin Thomas tied for 38th. He's four under par, uh, as is Patrick Reed. Uh, so the two of them are tied for 38th. Uh, and uh, I don't want to say totally out of it, but you would think they're not going to contend. And then Colin Morikawa, the other American, uh, they're at seven under, seven shots off. So uh, uh, Xander certainly seems like our best bet for uh for any kind of medal as uh, the united states
2: yeah well um uh it, it, you're right patrick reed was sort of a last minute fill-in for uh bryson DeChambeau, and mm-hmm. um uh, when bryson tested positive for covid so he kind of jumped jumped on the plane and uh and went over to tokyo i think he 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 uh arrived a bit groggy and um uh, um, you know, maybe he hasn't quite recovered yet. I saw him interviewed the other day, and, and he was just saying, you know, he's like, hey, <laughs> the underlying message was, dude, I just got off the plane. I'm exhausted. And right. so he's trying to get his body right. So it's kind of a tough thing for him. Uh, Morikawa, you know, you don't know. I mean, Morikawa is a bit of a streaky putter. Uh, we saw him win at um, at Harding Park when the when – the, uh, who uh, won the PGA there, and the in the, the right. Uh, the this the uh, weather was a, the the course was a little bit soft, and the putting greens were not is as, uh, as slick as they can be. And then the British Open, we all know those greens are don't they don't run as fast as some of the other greens. So I'm not quite sure how quick the greens are running on the uh, on the course there in uh, in Tokyo, but I imagine they're going <clears throat> pretty fast. So he might be having uh putting problems or not problems but you know his putting problems for us are like oh my god i never had such a great putting round but right um you know for that level of competition he may uh he may be uh uh struggling a bit so anyway but uh, i guess we're going to talk to vince pretty soon
4: Yeah, right now we are going to head from the Olympics. We're going to head on out to the uh, score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, And from the Western Golf Association, uh, with the Western Amateur finishing up today at Glenview Club, Vince Pellegrino joins us. Good morning, Vince.
2: How are you? Good morning, Vince. How's it going?
5: Everything's going well in here. We've got another beautiful day here at the Glenview Club
2: absolutely have uh, no rain which is always a good thing and uh and of course beautiful temperatures so it's going to be spectacular out there today um uh, you've got your defending champion uh, in the final four which is terrific and uh and you've got three other guys who are uh, very worthy competitors
5: yeah you know overall we had a really good sweet 16 um our medalist is Still in the championship, you know, Michael Thor- Thorbjörnsson, uh, who also shot a course record this week of 62 out here. Um, and uh, he's going to be battling Austin Greaser of, of uh, Ohio, who goes to the University of North Carolina. That'll be the first match off this morning at, at 8 a.m. And then, as you mentioned, we've got our defending champion, Pearson Cootie, uh, who is who's really playing well, who's made some unbelievable punts to, to make it here to get into the Final Four. You know he's going to go against uh, Gordon Sargent at eight twelve. You know shortly thereafter, a Vanderbilt U- University uh, player. And uh, boy, it's uh, it's been a great week so far, and we're hoping to cap it off with uh, the final match that's going to start around one o'clock uh, this afternoon.
2: Vince, the quality of golf that you see out at, at the Western Amateur and, and the tournament itself, as you and know, I have told you many times, um, it's by far the world's best amateur golf tournament. Way better than the U.S. Open. U.S. Amateur, in my opinion, and uh, I've never been to the British Amateur, but I, I have to say it's probably uh, just the depth of field and the uh, the level of uh, of competitiveness um, that you have in the uh, in the field, and um, uh, of course your your format is is pretty strong.
5: Well, yeah, Barry. I mean, you know, it essentially it's a all exempt field, so that so right then and there. Um, it, it's going to make it a strong field. Now, this year, which was a little bit unique, and I shouldn't say all except because we did have seven qualifying spots, we had so many applications and so many strong applications that we decided for the first time in, in a long time since the Point of Woods days that we would have a qualifier, and we hosted it at uh, the Glen Club, not to be confused with the Glenview Club, where we're hosting a championship but the Glen Club on Sunday to uh, to have about you know 60 players uh, vie for about seven spots, which is a pretty good, pretty good you know, opportunity, you know, considering right. uh, normally those are bigger, bigger fields, but it is a strong field. It's, it's traditionally the, the, um, one of the strongest fields in, in the country, if not the world. And we're just, you know, excited. We had about 100 of the top 200 players in the world. Uh, so that's right. pretty amazing out of 156 player
3: field.
2: Well, right. And plus you've, you had the issue of the COVID where I don't know if that affected your international field much. And yet, you still had a
5: uh, great players. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it it feels like you know everybody's uh, wants to come out play some golf. Um, you know, obviously, golf was was booming during COVID. But I think you know these guys. We, we had the championship last year at Crooked Stick uh, in the in the COVID era, so to speak. And you know, Pearson Cootie came out victorious there, and uh, you know, he's still he's still battling here in the final four.
4: No, and, and we're talking to Vince Pellegrino, the Western Golf Association, uh, live from the Glenview Club. And, and I know, having been out there for the media day, uh, in the media round, I know the, the membership is certainly excited. I imagine it's been a fun week around there for, for the players, for you guys, and for the, the membership of the club.
5: They, they've been so supportive. The, the, the volunteers that we have out here are tremendous. Uh, our tournament chairman, Rick Waddell, has led this crew to uh, just an, a fantastic championship. the The staff at the Glenview Club is really second to none. The, the food and, and beverage all week, you know, players are commenting how great the food is up here. Uh, you know, <laughs> which is an important aspect of the championship. And these guys, well, well when you're 20 hydrated. years old, it's and really needs. important, right? <laughs> and if you're playing as much golf as these guys are playing, you know, I uh, need to stay hydrated and, and eat a bunch you know, after, after playing golf, to uh, have that energy to go the distance here. But they've been just tremendous. And, you know, we talk about the competition and we talk about, you know, the amenities here and the hospitality. Uh, but one more thing that, that is just amazing, that this club being a founding member of the Western Golf Association has done a tremendous job fundraising for the Evan Scholars Foundation, not just this year, but, but throughout the history of the Glenview Club. And this week alone, they've raised about 1.2 million dollars, uh, of which you know it, they're going to endow a couple Evans scholarships and change two kids' lives uh, for the for you know uh, for forever. Uh, so they're it's... doing a couple of endowed scholarships, which is really tremendous. I mean, the, the championship is one thing, but we all know what the Western Golf Association stands for. We 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 run championships for scholarships, and that's indicative this week as well with the support that we've gotten from the Glenview Club
2: yeah, that's really tremendous, Vince. I think people don't people think well, you, you raise all your money through the uh, through the BMW championship and formerly the Western Open, but to be able to go to a a club uh, like the glenview club and 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 put the tournament on and raise that kind of money. and I know I know that other clubs have done that uh, in the past with the amateurs, so it's uh, it's really terrific. So congratulations on that. But you've had a busy summer in Chicago with a number of other uh, tournaments that the WGA has uh, has conducted. Um, you had not only the Western Amateur a couple of weeks ago. You had the Women's Western Amateur at Park Ridge Country Club. You had the Women's Western Junior at Aurora Country Club, and the Western Junior at Onwensia. So uh, you've you've had a full summer of amateur golf that I think sort of flies underneath the radar uh, for most people in the
5: uh, in the Chicago area. Well. And, and let's not forget the Evan Scholar's Invitational, the Corn Ferry Tour event. that Oh, exactly right, 100%. And, yep. You know, that seems like that seems like forever ago, and that was in May right. when Cameron Young right. won, and he won back-to-back weeks on the Corn Ferry Tour. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a great summer. And, you know, we host our junior at another founding club of the Western Golf Association, the on Wednesday Club, and that was just a great championship. But our partnership with the Women's Western Golf Association means a lot to us as well. and be able to to uh, support their championships uh, this year the Junior at Aurora with uh, you know with Illinois native uh, Marlon Janice winning from Barrington was was great right. and well, like I said we we hosted at Park Ridge which we hosted our our boys junior you know a few years ago uh, and to have Marissa Wensler win from University of Kentucky was pretty special too that was a great championship so it's you know it's a it's been a busy summer and uh, we still have one more to go
2: Right, you've got the BMW Championship at Caves Valley in Baltimore, and uh, uh, you know the question that I get, and I'm sure I'm sure you don't, you never hear this, Vince, is what in the heck is it doing in Baltimore? How did it get out there?
5: <laughs> well, I think I think you could say that uh, you know about a lot of places that we've been, but the the, the idea is to really <laughs> spread the uh, spread the uh, uh, you know Evan Scowers Foundation message across the country. I mean, we're growing from coast to coast, and you know, we've had the championship out west and in places like Denver, and obviously we've had it throughout the Midwest. But, you know, we had a very successful championship in Philadelphia when we were there a few years ago, and we wanted to get back east, and we're going to be back east for a couple of years. It's a really good opportunity for us to to uh, raise money for the Evan Scholars Foundation and, and bring the championship to golf-starved markets like Baltimore. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back soon. Right.
2: And, and I think that's what people don't really realize um, is that, you know, the Western Open – before it became sort of a uh, 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 a permanent thing in Chicago in the early '60s, I believe it used to travel around a lot. I mean, didn't Arnold Palmer won the Western Open in Blythefield, Michigan, at the Indianwood Club, or is that? I can't remember exactly, but uh, it it traveled around a lot. It was at, it was at, it was in San Francisco one year.
5: Yeah, and it, it, you know, we did go back to our roots a little bit, and being part of the. PGA Tour playoffs, I'm glad you brought that up, Barry, because I think people think it's just, you know, it's been in Chicago since 1899. And, yeah, that was, that was the case early on. But we did rotate the championship around. And um, I think it's good for our tournament. And, and the Chicago golf fans are so great that when we do come back, they really embrace it and, and show up in droves. So it, uh, it, it's great for all of our partners in BMW and the PGA Tour. And, uh, you know, it's going to be an exciting championship this year at, uh, at Cage Valley.
4: Well, Vince, uh, uh, best of luck today at the uh, the finals of the Western Amateur there. We are out of time on the show, but uh, appreciate you coming on. And it uh, looks like you're going to get a great day today to uh, to finish out the tournament.
5: Well, thanks so much. And uh, you can check it out on GolfChannel.com if you can't make it out here to, for the live stream. So thanks, guys. Exactly right. Thanks
4: for mentioning that, Vince. Uh, GolfChannel.com for sure. All righty. That's Vince Pellegrino from uh, the Western Golf Association doing great work out there. Uh, And he mentioned all the great stuff they're doing with the Evans Scholarship Foundation, the Evans Scholars Foundation. Uh, Thanks to Steve Hulka, longtime PGA Tour caddy, who was our guest, as well as Andrew Stevens, head golf pro at Stonebridge Country Club in Aurora. Adam Studzinski, thank you. Barry Cronin, thank you, my friend. Thank you very much, Mike. We'll talk next week. Talk to you next week. We will be back every Saturday morning from 6 to 8, talking Chicago golf coming up next here on The Score. It's Early Odds followed by Inside the Clubhouse. I can't imagine Bruce and David will have much to talk about in the game of baseball at the trading deadline on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, That's coming up next here on The Score. We thank you for joining us right here on The Scorecard, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on 670 The Score. Have a great day, everybody.